with a fresh and new deposit of his presence. Now, we don't need more of the Holy Spirit because we got all of the Holy Spirit. What we need is to relinquish to the Holy Spirit, all of us. And so would you be willing this morning to take just a minute as we prepare our children and dismiss them to their, to their classes, would you just take a moment and just pray from your, from your heart. Let it, be, let it come from, from your heart, from your, from your spirit. And say, God, I need a move. I need you to help me to release all of me release myself and surrender all of me to everything and all that you desire to do in my life would you say that prayer say it in your own words just take a, take a few moments and just say Lord I thank you for dwelling inside of me through your Holy Spirit but I ask you to help me help me to release all of me to all that you desire to do in my life and if you say that prayer simple prayer Nothing fancy, nothing hyper-religious. Uh, Just a simple prayer from your heart to his. If you say that prayer this morning and you believe it, then I believe God is beginning to do something inside of you. You might not be able to tell today, but in the days to come, weeks to come, you will see a change in your attitude, in your perception, in your eyes, your vision will be cleared. Your ears will be clear to hear the voice of God. Amen. Hallelujah. What a glorious time of worship. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give the Lord a praise offering for this worship team. While we straggle in, at 10 and some of us after 10, these guys are here since 8 in the morning. And they're not only practicing, but they're preparing an environment where God's presence would move. That's what worship is all about. We worship God and it prepares an environment. We praise him, it prepares an environment where he would feel welcome and he would come and do what only he can do. We can do so much, but he can do so much more. Amen. Amen. I'm tired of doing, doing things in my effort and in my strength. You, 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 you only last so long before you get frustrated, weary, and burn out. But when we do things in his strength, when we allow God to use us rather than us try to use God, we allow God to use us then. Ministry is joyful. As a matter of fact, Christian life is joyful. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christian life is joyful. It's not a walk in the park, but it's joyful. Because it's righteousness, it's peace, and it's joy in the Holy Ghost. Amen. Now, I wish some of you would transition that joy that you have inside transition it to your faces. This room would be picturesque. I would only see glory. If you could transition that joy that's inside of you, bring it out to your face and just give God a big smile. Don't even give it to me. Give him a big smile. 
of gratitude and thanksgiving. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Amen. Um, I'm going to invite Tharsis to come up here while I get myself all together here. She's going to share for a few minutes. Those of you that were here Wednesday, you heard her testimony, what she experienced last Sunday after she left this room. She had a wonderful experience, and she shared it with us Wednesday. I wanted to share it today for those of you that were not here. Because, folks, if we come here and we just have a good time, and then after that nothing happens, listen, we're religious. If we come here and we hear the word of God, we receive the presence of God, and and the anointing flows through all we do through worship and the music and the songs and the message and, and ministry. But then once we walk out of these walls, nothing happens, then it was all a show. We come in here to be filled so that we can go out there and pour ourselves out. So that we could come back and get filled so that we can go out there and pour it out. Spurgeon said we should be like a leaky ship. Water comes in, water goes out. Water comes in, water comes, goes out. Anointing comes in, presence comes in, Spirit of God fills us this morning so that we can go and leak it out to the world. Amen? And this is what happened. There was a leaking that happened last Sunday with Kuka, with Tharsis. You could come up here. You could come up here, yeah. I, we, we call her Kuka, those of us that know her for many years. But if you don't know her for that many years, just call her Tharsis, please. That's, that's just us. It's only for the chosen, right? <laughs> God bless. Um, that's fine, that's okay. On Sunday, um, I was sharing on Wednesday um, that on Sunday when I, when I left here, and, and Josh sang the song again today, <laughs> um, we need to move. Um, you know, pastors, they, they drill it into us how we have to mean what we, what we say, what we sing. Um, and I, I had an experience on Sunday after we left, a couple of hours after we left church, actually. And I, I couldn't make it home. I think I'm, I drove like half a block. And I had to pull over and text pastors right away. And part of the, or at the end of the text... I, I had said, you know, how dare I say, or how, how dare I sing words that I don't mean, um, or, I, or I, have to, I have to be willing to, some, something to that effect, I have to be willing to, to, to be available to, to do the words, or to do the words that I sing. Well, when I left here on, on, on Sunday, I went to lunch, and, you know, you're, you're tired, you're, you're, you've been up and about all day, and I, I just wanted to go home. I wanted to go home, and I, I was just tired, and, you know, once, once I'm home, I, I, didn't, I knew I wasn't going to go back out. So, I, you know, I needed to get something from Elias, from Elias Market, and there were just two items. I just wanted to get mint and lime. That's all I needed. I needed to get my tea. And I thought, no, I'm just going to go home. I'm, I'm too tired. And I just felt like I needed to go to Elias. And it was beyond the mint and the tea because it wasn't that serious. Um, and I was like, oh, you know, I'm just tired. A Sunday, I got to be out of my mind. What am I doing at Elias Market on a Sunday? Everybody goes there. Saturday and Sundays are, are like the worst. I normally go 
midweek or something. So I went, and I actually came down like Fullerton. I remember coming down Fullerton. And there was parking there on that side of Elias. And I thought, eh, let me just whip around the front. Let me just park in the front. And I even waited. I waited patiently for cars that were moving out. So there was a lot of parking. And I'm like, eh, let me just wait. Rest my feet as I'm waiting. And I thought, let me just whip around the front. So I whipped around the front. And um, the front, of course, is always packed out. And I found this, you know, I waited somewhere and I found the spot and I parked. And so, you know, we could be so desensitized. You know, we want the, the Holy Spirit to move in our lives. You know, when we're saved, we have the Holy Spirit. Because, I mean, that's, that's a given. When we're saved, boom, Holy Spirit. But the move of the Holy Spirit, as Pastor has been sharing, you know, that's, you know, we, we're constantly seeking for the move of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, but we have to be sensitive to, to what's around us. And, you know, even in our Christian walk, it's a deliberate thing. We have to be deliberate in, in our walk and, and to what's around us and stop being so oblivious to what's going on around us. And so, you know, I walk into Elias and tunnel vision. I don't want to see nothing. And, and <laughs> guilty. I, whenever I go into these stores, I'm like, Lord, may I bump into no one I know. <laughs> I always say this when I walk into these stores. I just want to go in, get what I need, and then walk back out. And so, um, you know, I go in, and I'm like, oh, God, may I bump into no one I know. Let me just get what I need and go back out. And actually, I bumped into two people. But anywho, um, so I go in, and this woman is sitting on the pavement. To the left of the, uh, of the produce that's, that's on that side, if you're facing Elias, and you could tell she had been crying for, for a while because, you know, the dirt streaming, the dirt streams down her face and, and what have you, and I didn't even see her. Shame on me. I didn't even see her. And she wasn't transparent, she, I, and I didn't even see her. And so I'm just like, just want to go in. And she says, ma'am, ex- excuse me, I'm so sorry to ask. Can you buy me a piece of meat? I have nothing to feed my grandchildren. And before I can speak, and Yadi, you're too far. And before I can speak, um, I, I, I felt, you know, my, my mouth just said, I would love to buy you a piece of meat. And my arm grabbed the cart. And I'm like, the heck? My arm grabbed the cart, and she looked at me. I, she didn't even, like, expect that response, like, just without me questioning anything. Like, well, how many kids do you have? And are you sure you're hungry? No. I was like, well, I would love to buy you a piece of meat. And I grabbed a card and I just, the doors open, you know, they're automatic. And she just looked at me and she followed me. And as we walked, as we navigated through Elias, um, produce was just jumping in, into the cart. And, and we, we're, you know, I'm speaking with her. And I'm not one to really speak to strangers. I'm just, you know, I'm out of my comfort zone and what have you. And, and, and we're speaking and and stuff is just falling into the cart. And as we're talking, I says, yeah, so, you know, how you doing? And, you know, this and that and that and this. And she's talking, she's telling, she's sharing with me her hard times. And so bringing it back to, to the songs that the worship team sings and the words that come out of my, our mouth and what's being taught by our pastors here, bringing all that together. Man, 
how dare us sing what we sing without meaning it. The world is hurting. We have no idea of the people that we walk by. We're, you know, I can be so desensitized sometimes. And, you know, my prayer every morning is like, Lord, work through me this today. Work through me today. Before I leave the house, work through me today. As this woman is sharing with me, she shared with me that the young man that got shot on Fifth and Allen a few weeks ago at 7 a.m. was her son. And I had no words. I wasn't ready for that. That was too much for me. And a boatload of things started flooding my head like, whoa, what was wrong with him? And, and it's like, are you serious right now? Like, who cares? This is a hurting mom. What was wrong with the guy is irrelevant. He's gone. Obviously, there was issues there. And what this woman needed was hope. That's all she needed was hope and a hug and the love of Christ at Elias. And so I was just like a deer caught in a headland. And I, I said, oh, dear Lord, I says, I am so sorry to hear that. And I just touched her. And I just prayed inside, and I was like, oh, my God, I, I don't even know what to say at this moment. God. And so, you know, we chatted some more, and I gave her some words. And I says, you know, I just pray that the Lord would comfort you and your situation and what you're dealing with at this moment. And she shared with me some more ordeals and how, overwhelmed, how, how overwhelming life is for her at this time with her daughter and how the kids have dumped at her home and, and her situation with, with, with uh, her money situation. And, and it was just chaos. And I thought my life was upside down. Not that my life is upside down. It's just, you know, it's all relevant. Um, you know, it's, as you're trying to do this and that and, you know, whatever. <laughs> my gosh, my life is utopia. And I thought, oh, my gosh. You know, you, you got a hangnail and you think your life is chaos. And I thought, that's right there. And so I, I, I invited her to church, and she said how there's bad vibes. She goes, you don't understand. There's just, this, that area is, is just bad for me. It, there's just so many bad things happen to me around that area. I said, you don't necessarily have to come to 10th and Allen. There's so many churches in Allentown that you can go to. If there's bad vibes in 10th and Allen for you in Center City, Please find another church. I says, but the same God that lives in me wants to live in you. I said, just cry out to him tonight. Cry out to him to, to now. I says, 10th and Allen isn't the only God-filled church in Allentown. I says, God will lead you to a church, but just do not cry out to him. 
I says, if you cannot make your way to 10th and Allen, make your way somewhere else. If you feel that it's going to draw you to where you don't want to go, if there's bad vibes, as you say. Well, another portion of this testimony is that as, as you know, when my mouth just quickly said, sure, I would love to buy you that, that piece of meat and, and, and the, the cart, you know, I grabbed the cart. It wasn't that the Holy Spirit felt like, oh, Tharsis is going to change your mind. No. See, as we say, Holy Spirit, I want to move. The Holy Spirit is dying to partner with us and, 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 and feed the hungry and, and, and pray for the sick and the lost. And, hey, Pastor Jay, we get to do something. Come here. Hey. So that was the Holy Spirit partnering with Tharsis and Tharsis partnering with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, I'm grabbing the cart. I'm speaking. Doing it together. It wasn't that Tharsis was going to back out of it. And, and Holy Spirit said, well, let me speak before she says no. No, 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 no. See, Sorry. collaboration, mm-hmm. unity. Mm-hmm. And stuff was falling in. I'm like, I, I, wasn't, I didn't even realize this was happening. That's when you're like this with the Holy Spirit. He's doing it with you as well. Yeah. So to wrap this up. You want to preach? No, no, Pastor. We're doing this together. Yeah, sit down, man. In a heartbeat, you guys are being blessed. I'll sit down. <laughs> you know, that's what Pastor's been talking about. And not to say that I got it together, 100% together, because that, that told me a lot. Because I was still chewing on it that night. I was still chewing on it. How, yeah. well, you know, how did that stuff jump in? Because mm. then afterwards, I was like, how did I even know I had that money in the bank to pay for those groceries? But you know what? It's just a matter of being in tune with the spirit, it, which is what pastor has been wanting us Hallelujah. to get. Yes. And so yes. Yes. I don't know if I was entertaining an angel, pastor, mm. if I was meeting the need. Bottom line is being sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Tarsus. Wow. Praise the Lord. You know how many evangelistic efforts we do in the church? We do everything, everything we can think of. The question is, how much of that is led by the Spirit? I repeat the experience of the Chinese pastor that was brought to the United States to preach a message that God gave him in China, communist country. He was invited to preach a message in some of the mega churches in the U.S., And once he was about to board his plane, the gentleman that toured him and took him around here in the States, he asked him, well, what impressed you the most about the church in America? He says, what impressed me the most is how much they get done without God. And then that intrigued me, kind of woke me up. And then I started doing some research and I read another, another area where it says that What we do as a church today, 95% of what we do today, we could do it without the Holy Spirit. Because we got the programs, we we go to every conference available and possible and try to tap into what someone is doing that's causing their ministry to grow. And we get programs and we buy the CDs and the DVDs and we buy the books and we buy the curriculum. Then we try to preach in our church and then we try to replicate what someone else did. Amen. So, so 95% of what the church does today, you don't need the Holy Spirit. 
95% of what the church did in Acts chapter 2 and beyond in that first 100 years, they couldn't do, do it without the Holy Spirit. And so we keep, we keep saying this because I, w- I want to know who, who's part of the church here this morning. Just raise up your hand if you're part of the body of Christ. We need. We need to move, folks. <laughs> we need to move. Otherwise, we're going to make our way to heaven, and when we get to heaven, we're going to find out that circle of influence that I spoke of last Sunday. Every individual in this room has a minimum of 200 persons that you have, God has placed around you so, you so you could influence. Whether it's people at the job, whether it's your family, whether it's your neighbors or close friends, every individual has a minimum of 200 people in your lifetime that you are an influencer of. Question is, how many of those have you influenced with the presence of God in your life, with the glory of God in your life, with the light of Jesus shining in you and through you? And so, we need to move. (laughs) Maybe I should title the message today, We Need to Move. But we're going to go back to uh, where we were last week. Ephesians chapter 5. Now, Paul is writing to a group of believers that were living in a very vibrant um, city, region, area. Um, It was a place of tourism. It was highly religious, highly cultic. Um, And so there's this new group of believers that have accepted the gospel of Christ and have accepted Christ. And so now Paul is, in a way, discipling them, trying to teach them, break them away from the culture and the traditions that they had been raised in. How many know not everything from your culture and your tradition is necessarily good? And then there's some things in our culture and our our traditions that are beneficial. They're good for us. But I know in my culture... In my culture, one of the things that is part of my culture is men are mujeriegos, right? Men are womanizers. That might be part of every culture, but in my culture, it's really, it really excels. It, it, it. Uh, in my culture, there's a lot of uh, machismo. Men are the authority. And they rule with an iron fist in my culture. That's the way we were raised. And so those are parts of my culture that I renounce when I came to Christ. Because it's not beneficial for me to serve the Lord and continue to carry on those traditions or those things that are part of my culture. Because they are counterproductive or they, they go against this new faith that I profess to have. So if you are in Christ and you're still a macho man, and I'm not talking about the wrestler, or if you're in Christ and you're still a womanizer, or you still like to drink Christmas time, I know that we've had families here that they disappear Christmas time. The holidays, they're gone. 
And don't look around because they're not here any longer. They were here before. And I already knew, my wife and I knew, we, we already knew, expect them to disappear right after Thanksgiving. And then they will come back. You could tell it was not the person that left here. When they come back, they, come, they will come back ashamed, dejected. Oh, but, but what's going on? What happened? Didn't you have a great time? Yeah, but, you know, my husband got drunk, and, you know, he started drinking with the family because that's what they do. And so every holiday they disappeared, and you knew what they were doing because there was something in their tradition and in their culture that though it was contrary to this new culture that we're a part of, this Christian culture that we're a part of, they couldn't release that. They had to stay hanging on to that. Amen. And so this is why we need the infilling of the Holy Spirit, because when we have the infilling of the Holy Spirit, he helps us to break away from those things that are still strong in our flesh, those desires, amen, those traditions, those practices, amen, that were so familiar to us, such a part of our lives that we don't know how we can live without them until we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we discover that the Holy Spirit, what he gives us is far greater than us being able to to get drunk or doing some something that our culture practices that is, that is not pleasing unto God. And so that's why he begins this chapter five, Paul saying, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us a fragrant offering and sacrifice. Now, if you read chapter 3 of Ephesians, Paul addresses a great mystery that God had hidden for, for, throughout the ages, but now he chose to reveal it to those of us who love him. That means to anyone who has accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, now he has revealed to us this amazing mystery. The mystery is, of course, this new birth, this new organism that's been born, the church, which is not, no longer made up of the church of the Old Testament, which was only Jews and anyone that would embrace or would convert to Judaism. But now there is a new organism, the church of the New Testament, which is composed of both Gentiles and Jews coming together under this new covenant. Amen. And now being filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in love love in unity. Amen. And so Paul says, this is a great mystery. God had hid it throughout the ages, but now he chose to reveal it to us. And so he goes on to chapter four and says, because we are now recipients and carriers of this glory that has been revealed to us, now we are to walk. And he gives us different areas where we need to change our walk. We are to walk in love. We are to walk in unity. If you read chapter 4, we are to no longer walk in darkness, but we are to walk in light. Here he says we are to walk in love. And we are to walk in the spirit because in the spirit means what the spirit has filled us. And now all of those areas that, he, that Paul says we need to walk in, now they become easy for us to walk in love, in unity, in light. Not in darkness, not in sexual immoralities, not like the world walks, but now we're able to walk, amen, in the spirit, and we're able to fulfill all of those aspects of our walk. You know, if there's a time in the history of the church where unity has become almost a foreign word is in this age. 
As a matter of fact, it started with the Reformation. There was a lot of good things that came out of the Reformation, a lot of great things. We love to read the story of Martin Luther and how he woke up and how the Spirit of God gave him revelation and he got into the Word and he discovered that there was more to that than what he was learning in the Catholic Church. And so that was amazing. But out of that same Reformation came a segregation and a separation within the body of Christ where the unity that existed in the second chapter of Acts and beyond now has been broken into all of these groups. And so now you have the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, the, the what else you have? The Wesleyans, you have the Methodists, you have the Evangelicals, you have the Pentecostals, and, you have, and if you look at every one of them, they find it too difficult to come together, even if it's for, for the cause of the gospel. Because we find more common, amen, uh, or, or we find more, more pleasing to us trying to find out how we are better than they. And how we got the truth more down packed than they do. That we got the whole truth. They only got part of the truth. And so we've fallen into this, this, this place of, of division and disunity. Amen. And so that's why in a nation that has so much Amen. Advancement and so much prosperity and where the church can live so comfortable and have so much in abundance. Even the poorest person in the church has more than, than some of the uh, better or well-to-do person in third uh, world countries. Amen. Even the poorest person in the church in America has something. If you don't have anything that you can get for yourself, you have government provision. You have the church that provides. So we all have blessings beyond measure. Amen. But in the midst of all this blessing, in the midst of all this prosperity, we also have the greatest disunity in the body of Christ ever known. And so that's why I can go to a Cuba and spend 10 days traveling from one end of the land to the other. And for me to even get into the churches, they had to make a way. For me to get to the front. Because people were jamming the room. People were outside, hanging in through the windows. People were hungry for God. And I could pray in Cuba the simplest of prayers and God would do miracles and signs and wonders, I come here and I could pray a very eloquent prayer and tr pray a very educated prayer, and nothing happens. Hello. That's why, uh, I don't remember the gentleman's name, but he told us in a pastor's meeting, he says, I have to leave the country at least twice or three times a year. And I say, oh, really? You go on vacation that much? I wish I could do that. Oh, no, 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 no. I have to travel to third world countries because when I go to third world countries, countries that don't have anything close to what we have here, one thing they have that we don't have, they have hunger for God. So this, this minister, renowned minister, he travels at least three times a year to a third world country and he says, I go there, they think that I'm going there to take to them, but they don't realize that while I'm there, my faith is being restored. It's being strengthened. We talk about faith here. 
With all due respect, ladies and gentlemen, we, we, we don't really know what true faith is, or at least most of us. Because my God, do I feel a little pain, and where do I run to? To God. Yeah, right. Medicine cabinet, here I go. Tylenol, ibuprofen. We can't trust God with a migraine, and we want him to heal cancers. Hallelujah. This is why we need the Spirit of God, folks. We could have all the nations in this country that have, that, 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 that have risen. I'm sorry, all the churches in this country that have risen. There's churches everywhere. You go through downtown, churches everywhere. Yet the community is still in chaos. Yet there's still violence. Yet people don't want to know anything about God. You know why? Because they're sick and tired of religious people. They need to see people that are filled with the Holy Spirit. And when I speak about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm not, I'm not speaking about just speaking in tongues. And do, No, I'm talking about people that are on fire for God because they've made a deposit. They made it their business to make a deposit every day before they do anything else. They seek the face of God. They seek the word of God. They seek the spirit of God. They're saying, God, if you don't come this morning and give me a fresh anointing, I don't know what I'm going to do. I need you before I need my cup of coffee. I need you before I need my scrambled eggs or bacon. I need need you before I leave this house and go to work. I need you, Holy Spirit. Fill me again. And when we get into the habit, amen, and into the, the, the norm of getting into the face of God on a daily basis, amen, I can assure you, you're going to be filled with the presence of God to the extent that you don't have to look for people to evangelize. God is going to bring them to you. See, we get frustrated because the church has taught us even how to evangelize. There's different methods. One guy has one method. The other guy has another method. This denomination has a method. We were taught, you know, you go to the street and you take a, a whole stack of tracks and you give them out. Amen. And even people don't want them, you, you, you stuff them in their, in their pockets. We were very aggressive when we grew up. They taught us an aggressive form of evangelism, man. It was like, you don't want it? <laughs> you wait till they stick it in their pocket. And some of us got close to getting knocked out. But we were told, listen, you got you to gotta share the gospel. The king, what is it? The kingdom of God suffered violence and the violence taken by storm. And again, taking the word of God, misapplying it, and then sending people off to do a work that cannot be done unless you're partnering. What was it that Tharsis says? Partnering with the... Holy Spirit. So we're doing work that requires the partnering with the Holy Spirit, but we're doing it without the Holy Spirit. And then we're not getting the fruits, we're not getting the results, and then we get frustrated, all bummed out and, and all messed up because we don't see the fruit. We've been giving food to this community, I don't know for how long. We co-labored with, with our friends, the Stoles. They do an amazing job, amazing. The love of God that they have and the compassion that they have to reach the community and to feed them and give them food. And they pray, they minister to them. I admire that of them. But one thing I've, as I evaluate all this food giving, 
I realize that people are less interested in their deliverance or in their freedom than they are in hoarding. Now, pastor, are we to stop? No, no. We are to be, we are to get filled with the, I was telling the evangelism team, right? We were sharing this past Wednesday. And I was saying, I am in favor of us giving the community food and clothing, but not without us giving them the Holy Spirit. And we can't give, we can't give what we are not carrying. Now, understand, I'm not talking about the indwelling. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit is in us from the moment we came to Christ. But Paul speaks and Peter speaks in the book of Acts about us needing an infilling of the Holy Spirit. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit happened when we accepted Christ. We were sealed with the Holy Spirit. But then Paul goes on, amen, I think it was, I don't know if it was Corinthians or Ephesus, one of those churches, he goes on and he says, listen, I understand that you guys have accepted the message of the gospel, meaning you have been sealed by the Holy Spirit. You can't accept the message of the gospel unless the Holy Spirit is engaged. But have you received a baptism? Oh, no, we don't even know what that is. We never heard of that. We're baptized in the baptism of John. Have you received the baptism? And the baptism is, again, many people just minimize the baptism to speaking in tongues. That's only minimal. The baptism is entering into a relationship with God's spirit that is continual, that makes you hungry and thirsty to come for more. Again, not more of him, but for you to surrender more of you, for him to use you. And as you begin to practice that daily, you're saying, God, I need you to fill me more, more hunger, more thirst, more, more vision, more love, more compassion. God will open up your senses. He will heighten your senses to a place where you will see things that you will not see in the natural, where you will sense things that you will not sense in the natural. You could only sense them when you are in the spirit. Amen. God will take you places and to people. Amen. And you will speak a word to them without even knowing them. Amen. And they will begin to cry and they will begin to ask you, how did you find that out? Are you a medium? No, we're not a medium. We are people that love God. We love the Holy Spirit. We're filled with the Holy Spirit. And he gave me a word of knowledge. He gave me a word of wisdom. He gave me a word of prophecy. He gave me, amen. He told me that you're suffering, amen, that you had a situation in your back and you need healing. You've been in severe pain and, and you begin to minister to these people, things that you know you could not have come up with in the natural realm. Now, I want to tell you something, folks. This is not exclusive to an exclusive group. This is for every one of us. We were in a pastor's meeting Thursday, and one of the pastors gave a testimony about, oh, man, I just want to share what God did Sunday. There was such a mighty move of God, and he was sharing. And he's saying, God gave me a word of knowledge about a sister that was in the congregation. I didn't know. But the Lord began to minister, and I began to speak to her. When I spoke to her, I discovered she told me, yeah, that's true. How did you know, Pastor? Because she never shared it with anybody. It's a word of knowledge. So he spoke to that. Then he prayed over that. And instantaneously, without him even touching her, she dropped to the ground. When she got up from the ground, she was completely pain-free. She felt she was healed. The inflammation was gone. And so he was sharing this. And the group of about 10 or 15 pastors were sitting there like, 
Wow. Praise the Lord. We need to hear more of that. And I'm inside, man. I'm chewing myself up. Because, you know, I highly respect these gentlemen that I sit with. But I'm saying, oh, my God. Finally, I had a burst out. I said, folks, ladies and gentlemen, because there's, pa- there's female pastors there too. Listen, listen. We are in awe of the testimony that we heard of something that happened. Even this pastor is in awe. But I want you to know that this is, what, this is God's norm for the body of Christ. This is what we should be seen on a day, not only in church, this is what we should be seen when we're in the streets. This is what we should be experiencing with people at work. This is what we should be, amen, experiencing with our neighbors, amen. The Spirit of God should have so much of us and all of us to the extent, amen, that he's using us, amen, and using us has become the norm, amen. Seeing people heal is the norm. Getting someone a word of knowledge is the norm, amen. Helping someone break out of a crisis, amen. Amen, because the Spirit of God led you to that place without you knowing that person, without you even planning to go there. That should be the norm. Amen. This is how the disciples and the apostles moved once they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They, were, they walked in the Spirit. They walked in unity. Oh, I'm getting hot. And I ain't got much time left. So I'm going to keep the jacket on as a way to... Because if I take it off... We's in trouble. This is an arm. Now I know we grew up in this. We grew up in this. We grew up in a church that believed, let me tell you something. We had very few, if any, intellects. Very few, if any, educated people, maybe two or three that had the opportunity to go to college or university. The bulk of the church was high school, maybe dropouts. Huh? Right. There was four people, and three of them was Pastor Margie's family. Just want you to know she graduated. No, I know, I know, but I want them to know I'm proud. I mean, this is... No, no, hold on a second. No, this is not about you. I'm proud to announce to this church that my wife has a bachelor's in adolescent psychology and a master's in business administration. And I'm pushing her to go for a doctorate in theology or something like that, but she's resistant. And I'm proud of that. But what I'm trying to say is that in this church, there were very few people that we can consider what society would call educated. Yet these people had a blind faith. They believed God. She's told you about the lady couldn't read a letter, illiterate. And she would go, and she would, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, she would tell either my wife or someone, open up the Bible and open it right here. And she would put her finger, open it, read it. And as she began to read, or whoever was reading for her, all of a sudden, the Spirit of God, the chapter that that the Spirit of God chose through her, would be speaking to a need that was in the room. And people were, were delivered. Demonic possessions were, 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 were cast out through this old lady who could not even read, but she was led by the Spirit of God. With all due respect, folks, all your education and all your accomplishments are worthless if you're not anointed, if you're not interested in being filled with the Spirit of God. You might impress man, but you don't impress God. 
And in many ways, we have become the modern-day Pharisees. Even, even in Scripture, we are very well uh, 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 educated and versed. But it's like Paul says, listen, I didn't come to you with words of human wisdom, but I came to you. And we come with a lot of words of human wisdom, but with a lack of manifestation of power. Because the only way we can get that is through the spirit of the living God. And so, I'm not going to read all the verses, but I want to jump again to that one verse. Okay, verse number 15. Let's, let's read those verses again. And then I'm, I'm going to be finishing. I'm, well, I'm not going to say nothing. I'll be finished soon. Verse 15. It says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of your time because the days are evil. And, and let me tell you something, young people, this is your prime time. Some of our young people are so busy looking for their future and their career and, and what they're going to, you know, their, their, their mate, their spouse, what family, they, you know, and, and they're so focused on all of these things and, and they're losing an opportunity, the best opportunity that you have to be the most useful in the kingdom of God. Because there's no better time for you to get filled with the Spirit of God and be used by the Spirit of God to reach your generation than now in this age that you're living in. But the enemy, the culture, the, 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 the spirit of this world has enticed us and has entangled us and has distracted us to the extent where we have lost our focus, amen, in God's purpose for our lives because we're busy seeking our own purpose and trying to execute our own plans. And I'm telling young people, I'm not saying, I'm not against you pursuing a career. I'm not against you pursuing an education. I am saying that as you pursue those things, the first thing you should be pursuing is the infilling of the Holy Spirit, is establishing an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, because when you do, amen, then you could ask God, amen, the desires of your heart, and he will grant it to you, because you have given priority to the Spirit of God, to the kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added unto you. There is no better career that you could pursue that you will identify it as you seek the Spirit of God. There is no better marriage and no better, no better mate that you can find, and family that you can, you can start than one that is birthed from you seeking the Spirit of God. And not only that, but this is the time when you have all, you know the things that I would love to do now that I did when I was younger? But I just can't. Because my mind and my spirit are gone. My body is, uh, hold on. My pastor subject that body. Yeah, yeah, but, but you, know, you know the Bible says that, that, that this body is decaying. 
We can't stop that process. And so there's some situations that happen in our bodies as we get older that we are not able to accomplish the same things that we did when we were younger. Amen. When I was younger, I used to play basketball. I used to be in a park for hours and hours. I used to play with the big guys. They used to, they used to get mad at me because I used to always be under the rim. Little guys are not supposed to be under the rim trying to get rebound. They're supposed to be outside trying to feed the ball and trying to shoot. Not me. I wanted to hang out with the big guns under the rim. Amen. And I would use this beautiful body God gave me. Amen. Not, not this one, but the one I had back then. Amen. And it was still kind of, amen, pleasantly plumped. And I would use it, amen, to just uh, box out. And some of those big guys, they couldn't stand me. Now, if I try to do that now, oh, Lord, I'll become the basketball court. They'll step all over me. Because there's some things in my body that tell me, you can't do that. There's some things in my body that tell me you can't, you can't keep up the pace even in ministry that you had when you were younger. Now you have to be wiser and you have to learn how to distribute, how to delegate, how to educate, how to prepare so that others can help you carry the load of ministry. When I started, I didn't need Noah, man. I could do it all. Picked up the people, drove the van, preached the message. Sometimes I would work in my secular job 24 hours because I didn't start full-time ministry. I had a, a job that I would leave at 2.30 in the morning. I never knew when I was going to get home. Sometimes I would get home. Sometimes, this is a secret, nobody knows that. Sometimes I would just take a cat bath, throw on some clean clothes, spray it with a lot of perfume, and then go to church to minister because I didn't even have time to take a real bath. And I did that for many years in ministry. But I was so full of strength. I was young, 35, man. No problem. Bring it. Preach the message. Granted, after I got out of, out of uh, the service Sunday, Sunday uh, afternoons, I was so worn out that sometimes I had to run home and just close myself in a dark room. Because even at a young age, you still got to pace yourself. But what I'm saying, what I'm trying to say is when you're younger, you have strengths and abilities, amen, that trust you me, no matter how good you look and no matter how much weight you're pumping, as you get older, you're not going to be able to do the same things you're doing now. So you might as well use your strength, use your youth right now, amen, and, and just surrender it to the service of the king and of his kingdom. And amen, get filled with the Holy Spirit. There's nothing more impressionable than when a young person goes out there and begins to witness and begins to share the gospel with young people. I can go, amen, but some of them will look at me and say, yeah, you're there because you're old. But when they see a young person full of life that has decided not to follow the pattern of the world, but has decided to follow Jesus, and now he's filled or she's filled with the Holy Spirit, and she begins to speak, not simply vain words that are empty, amen, and return void, but words filled with the Spirit of God, and you begin to have an impact on the people you're ministering to. Man, there's no greater joy. So this is your time. So walk, not as unwise, but wise. Make the best use of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So when we make decisions without seeking the will of the Lord, according to what Paul says, we're foolish. He's saying there, don't be foolish. Don't be foolish. Wait. 
and understand what the will of the Lord is. And that's not only applicable to us evangelizing or to us practicing our Christian faith. That's applicable to every decision and every aspect of our lives. I've told you before, there are times in the morning that I'm praying, I'm saying, God, I need to get gas, but I just don't want to go get gas. Take me to a place where you can use me. Oh, God, you know I don't like to go to the supermarket, and I don't like to go to this one, but whichever supermarket, and then he takes me to the one I don't like. Now, some of you are perplexed because you never, you've never experienced this, and I'm saying don't knock it until you try it. You know, don't criticize me if you, haven't, if you haven't been in my shoes, if you have not tried this. I am a person that I want to be led by the Spirit of God in everything that I do. Now, am I saying that every time I am? No, there's times that I've been foolish. But I try for the most part to allow the Spirit of God to lead me, and when I do, I discover how amazing it is to be led by the Spirit of God. When you go to a gas station you weren't planning to go, and all of a sudden you encounter someone with a knee like Tharsis. She wasn't planning to go to Elias, but she went. She thinks or she thought it was her. She discovered it was the Spirit of God that took her to that place because there was a need that needed to be met. And that's what happens when you're led by the Spirit of God. Even your decisions are not based on your own foolishness or your own desires, but you're making decisions because now you've reached a place where you're understanding the will of God. Oh, Jesus. And do not get drunk. This is where we left off last Sunday. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. In another version, it says, for that leads to disillusion. Anyone has that version? Do not get drunk with wine because it leads to disillusion. The word debauchery in the, its original Greek means ruin. So it says, do not get drunk with wine because it, it leads to ruined. Anyone here ever got drunk? Nothing to feel proud about, but just, just I want to I I, I make sure that, that you can relate to this. Anyone? Yeah, okay, I see a few hands. That's okay. We, we're not ashamed of that. That's our testimony. We used to get drunk. We don't get drunk no more, right? The brother lifted up two hands back there. <laughs> Amen. That means he was a drunk of drunks, and he, he really knew what it was to get drunk. Amen. And so, you know that when you get drunk, for the most part, you lose control of your reasoning. You lose control of the things you say. And sometimes under the influence, you say things that then you can't take back. You've said things that might ruin someone's life. Many of us heard Words from our parents while they were under the influence of alcohol or drugs. And the words that they spoke, they created a, a wound in our hearts that some of us have found it difficult to have it healed. There's many that whose wounds have been healed. There's others whose wounds are still there. Amen. And it all started with a parent or an adult getting so drunk that they lost control of what they would say. And they spoke words into your life or my life. Amen. That have 
followed us all these years and in a way have inhibited us, in ha- they have limited us from uh, walking and, 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 and living in God's fullest potential for our lives. But thank God because we're being liberated from that. So, so when someone is drunk, it leads to debauchery, it leads to ruins. There's other people that under the influence of alcohol, they have killed have you ever noticed that when someone is drunk and they crash their car, they kill everybody, but they survive? Very seldom do I see an accident where alcohol was involved, where the person that was under the influence died. For the most part, now, those of you that are here, you ought to thank God you never died. You could have died under the influence, whether it was an accident or, or just too much alcohol in your blood system. But usually when people are drunk... Amen. They ruin everybody else. And even themselves. There's many people that have committed crimes under the influence of alcohol and wind up in prison. And then you ever watch cops? I love to watch it. Every so often I watch that cops. Because you see all these people doing some stupid. Can I say the word stupid is in the Bible? Some stupid stuff, man. Stupid. Under the influence. And then when they wake up, they say, oh, my God, no, I can't believe. No, I couldn't. Because when you get drunk with alcohol, you lose control of your faculties. And you start to act crazy. Same thing with a drug addict. So Paul is saying, don't get drunk with something that's going to make you crazy. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Now, I've always found it interesting that he included the filling with the Spirit in the context of getting, not getting drunk with wine. So I was thinking about this, and I've come, this is my own, my own interpretation, my own conclusion. And maybe some of you that have gotten drunk with wine can tell me, why or with alcohol? What made you get drunk? What were you looking for? Anybody? See, I've never been drunk with alcohol, so I need help. I can't speak of what I haven't experienced. Can you tell me what what would take you to drink when you when you used to drink, Ken? Just have a good time. That's <laughs> have a what? Good time. Have a good time. Okay. Anybody else? Jojo. Freedom. You felt like you were being released from the pressures of life, and you kind of. Yeah, kind of an escape. That's a good word. An escape from reality. Anyone else? Uh, Stephen and then Sarah. Stephen? I'm sorry, what was that? It will make you numb. It will make you numb to the, the situations around you. Wow. Uh, Sarah? You wanted to be what? To belong. You wanted to be accepted and be a part. Now, he's saying, I'm thinking, the same things that people look for in alcohol, Paul is saying, if you get filled with the Spirit, you'll become numb to the things of the world. You'll become accepted by Christ and by the body of Christ and by the Holy Ghost. He will embrace you. You will, what was it? Have a good time. There's no better time 
There's no better party than a Holy Ghost party because the Holy Ghost party don't stop. <laughs> there is no party like the Holy Ghost party because we have a good time all the time. We may be crushed, but not destroyed. We may be persecuted, but not abandoned. We may be what else? Struck down, but not destroyed. Crushed, what was the crush part? What? Pressed, but not, yeah, there we go. Pressed, but not crushed. That's what happens when you get filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what's the neatest part? You don't lose your sense. You don't wake up in a jail cell unless, like the apostles, who for preaching the gospel, they were thrown into a prison or for healing someone, they were thrown. But that's a good time to be in prison. If it's because I was so filled with the Holy Spirit that I, I, God used me to set someone free, to heal someone, to deliver someone from demonic possession, and society that I'm living in does not accept that, that's against the law, then throw me in prison. I'll have a party in prison. Isn't that what Paul and Silas did? You know why they had a party in prison? While some of us in this room who have neglected the person of the Holy Spirit, if we were thrown in prison today, we would probably be whining, crying, and screaming. And the first thing we'd be doing, especially if we were thrown for doing a good deed, we'd say, but God, what, what's going on? Here I am obeying you. Here I am doing the work of your kingdom, and this is how you treat me. The Bible says Paul and Silas, they were so filled with the Holy Spirit, they had no time to whine and complain. They started a service in prison. They began to pray and sing songs and worship the Lord. Because when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, the circumstances around you can't hamper or take away your joy. When you're filled with the new wine, amen, you have a joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. Amen. You have a peace that surpasses all understanding. Oh, God, this is getting so good now, and I got to stop. And so a life filled with the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to tell you something right now. I don't know if I said it last Sunday. I'm going to tell you right now. If you are a Christian, I don't care what church you go to. I don't care what denomination, I don't care what tradition you were brought up in, whether it was Lutheran, Wesleyan, Pentecostal, uh, evangelical congregation, I don't care what tradition you were raised in. I'm here to tell you something. You are commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Word of God commands you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. There are two commands in that verse. Number one, do not get drunk. Number two, be filled. So if you get drunk with alcohol, you commit what? A sin of commission. A sin of commission means you did something that you knew was contrary to the Spirit of God and to the Word of God. Now, if you refuse to get filled with the Holy Spirit then you commit a sin of omission. 
meaning you're refusing to do something that God is commanding you to do. So, Pastor, what, what do I do? How do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? You got to pray? No, no. You got to get in your prayer closet every day. You got to get into the Word of God every day. You got to put aside everything else and consider it cow pie in comparison to getting into the presence of God. Nothing else should matter to you at the beginning of every day but to get into the presence of God and saying, God, I need you to fill me this morning. I need to get into your word. I need to get revived in your word. And as you make that the norm in your life, trust me, the spirit of God will begin to fill you. Not only with the word, the written word, not only with the logos, but you will begin to experience the rhema of the word. The word of God will become alive. And you will begin to minister and find opportunities to minister that you said, man, I don't know how this happened, but God. So it is a command. Spiritual life is a command to every Christian. The Bible says in Acts chapter 2 verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 4 verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were, how many? How many were filled? They were all. Who are the all? All who believed. To be filled with the Spirit is not a matter of excess, but of sanity, as I said When you get filled with the Spirit of God, you don't lose your senses. In the contrary, probably the most sane you'll ever be. See, you notice there's a lot of people in the church that are experiencing problems, even mental with the mind. And I understand there's diseases and there's infirmities out there. But I'll tell you one thing. There's no disease or infirmity out there that could contend with the Spirit of God. And so when you get filled with the Spirit of God, amen, even your mind comes into alignment. The life that's filled with the Spirit of God becomes a normal experience for the children of God. Being filled with the Spirit of God is more than just is, is not getting more of him, it is him getting more of us. Because the Holy Spirit is a person, and to be filled with him means to allow him to take full possession of you, of your personality, of your attitudes, of your character. To be filled or to live a life filled with the Spirit of God is marked by certain definite and easily discernible characteristics. And you find them in those verses that we read. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, verse 14, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Then you will look carefully how you walk. Then you will use your time wisely. Then you will not make decisions until you wait and understand what is the will of God. So, Those are all things that mark the life of someone that is filled continuously 
Again, the filling is not a one-time event. It's not the outpouring of the Spirit that happened in Acts chapter 2, but it's a continuation of being filled with the presence of God, of releasing ourselves to him and allowing him to become the Lord. We've accepted him as Lord and Savior. My question is, how much of your life are you allowing him to Lord? He will not become the Lord of all until you submit your all in all to him. When you give your all to him, now you can say he is the Lord of all. And I tell you, I can tell some people that are still struggling with allowing God to make him the Lord of all. All you got to do is go and check the financial records. Oh, boy, there he goes again, talking about money. He's the Lord of all, but... (laughs) I could only give him so much, or this week I might not be able to give him anything because I'm going on a cruise. He's the Lord of all, but all, I, all he's getting Sunday is that wrinkled dollar that I folded like 15 times, and then the people that are counting have to unfold that thing like if it was a, one of the, what, what are those called? Huh? Origami, yeah. You've ever gotten, seen those bills, those people that count? <laughs> one dollar bill, five dollar bill, and then they, they're folded into 15 And you say, man, this person really wanted to release this bill. Because I'll tell you one thing. Lord, I give you my life. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. But Lord, when it comes to my wallet, when it comes to my purse, let me still be in control. Because I tell you, one of the easiest signs of whether we are completely committed to God is not in how we worship. Man, we come into this place and we can worship. Trust you me. We, I love coming here. Every time I go to different churches, man, I come here with a great appreciation for what God is doing here. Not to brag, I say that humbly. There's a, there's a freedom that this church gives the Spirit of God. There's a freedom that the worship team gives the Spirit of God that prepares an environment that's conducive for God to move. There's other places that I have gone where you hear the good music and you get a good show, but you feel no change. And so we love it here. But one of the areas where we find difficult, even in this house, is when it comes to our money. And some of us that pray for God to bless us, some of us came into the kingdom, even into this house, with nothing. There's people that came into this ministry straight from prison, straight from prison, came into this ministry. Their lives were so screwed up, they couldn't get a license. Some of them had to walk around with a brace on their ankle. And from that rut, God lifted them out. He blessed them. And now they're so blessed abundantly. Receive that as a blessing. It's a little spit that went out. It's anointing. From the blessing that they receive from God, you look at them now and they're spiritually, they're like the fig tree. Dried up. Because whenever God blesses us and we make the blessing the object of our worship, then we start worshiping the blesser. And the same way that we got it, the Lord giveth, 
the Lord taketh away. And let me tell you something. If he don't take it away now, what's going to happen is because you've made money, if, if there's one thing the Bible made clear, the love of is what? <laughs> Man, he could have said the love of women that are not yours. He could have said the love of men that are not yours is the root of all. No, he said the love of because we can give all that other stuff up. But when it comes to our money, oh, Lord, have mercy. Now, some of you need to be filled with the Spirit of God today so that next Sunday when you come here, you stop lording over that money. And you give it not to me because trust you me. I'm, God is going to take care of me whether you give your tithes or offerings or not. My, my income is not contingent or dependent on your tithing and offerings. My source is the Lord. So I'm not asking you to get, I'm asking you to take a step of faith. I'm asking you, get so filled with the spirit of God that now you release what you hold on to the to most. And when you release that, now you're opening room for more of that to come in in far greater and accelerated amounts than anything you were trying to hoard or you worked so hard to earn. Hallelujah, if anybody's been blessed that way. When my wife and I, whether you believe in tithing being for the church or not, that's irrelevant. That's a matter of opinion. There's arguments from both sides. In this church, we believe tithing is for now also. So that's the custom and the culture of this church. When my wife and I decided to tithe, not from the net, but from the gross, which was a huge difference. Immediately, Deb started canceling. And when we started, our ra rational mind was saying, how are you going to do it? Right now, you're living paycheck to paycheck. But the Lord, the Spirit of God, filled with the Spirit of God, now you're following because now you're no longer in control. Like a drunkard is no longer in control. They got to feel with the Spirit no longer in control. Now the Spirit of God controls you. So now the Spirit of God, I want you to trust me with much more. And I started giving more. And immediately, the debt that we could not pay off started to diminish, diminish, and evaporate. Because then God started sending ravens. Not ravens, ravens. But using that symbolically. Unexpected sources to bless us. And that was when we trusted God with the hardest thing that's been for us to release, our money. I'm done. I figured I'd stop right now. Amen. But at least I got it in. Take it. Take it with you and may the Holy Spirit cause it to marinate in your soul and to permeate your spirit so that you will release that which has control of you. Release it. Release it to God, and God will release it to you.